Well, no time for games today. Let's get into the message. I'm going to read you a good, good chunk of scripture. We got 12 verses to work through, and then um, I want to say a special hello. If this is ever your first time watching with us, I'm excited. And don't click off because I believe God's got a message to speak to you today. Um, if you'll have the patience to get through it. And if I start speaking too slow, you can always listen to me on one and a half speed. Have me sounding like a this. You know, so you can do whatever you got to do. But make sure you get this message in your heart today. Um, I, I have an agenda, you know. Um, I always have an agenda. Um, not, not anything negative, but my agenda today, and this is also the title I'm going to use, um, is to get you and to get me from routine to relationship. I want to get us from routine to relationship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mark chapter 2, very familiar passage if you've been raised in church and Sunday school and all that. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. There was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four men. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat, the mat, the mat. They lowered the mat the man was lying on. I'm going to stop for a second, but I'm not done reading. They, this is a side note. Here's extra credit. Um, they did not bring the man to the house which Jesus was preaching in to come to the door and find out, hey, you know, we're at capacity. I'm sorry, we can't let you in. This kind of thing. Come back tomorrow. Jesus will probably, you know... He'll, he'll probably be doing the same thing. And they didn't just turn away and leave. They, that's not what they were about. They, they said, well, then we'll make a way. And I just know a lot of Christians that take, take when one door closes to say, oh, I guess it's not God's will. You know, one friend was telling me, you know, what are you going to do if this works out? Are you going to take that as a sign that you shouldn't do it? And I was like, no, no, I won't. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll bust through a roof if I have to. Because obstacles and opposition is usually not proof that you're walking in disobedience, but it's actually proof that you're walking in obedience. Because if everything's just easy for you, that's not necessarily God saying, keep going. But that's not what I'm preaching about today. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus is saying to you today, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there. Those Pharisees, those religious leaders, those, those Judaism preachers, those those high rollers, those guys who think they knew everything, they were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, take your mat, take your mat, mat. I'm just repeating that word because it's important. Mat, take your mat and walk. Take your mat, pick it up, and carry it, and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the men, to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat. Woo! If you knew I was so happy about that word, you'd be excited too. Take your mat and go home. Get, get your mat out of here. He got up, took his mat. <laughs> you seen the theme? This isn't the Bible, I'm just reading it. And walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. From routine to relationship. Lord, bless your word today. I believe you have a message to speak to each of your children who are tuned in, leaned in, and ready to hear your words. In Jesus' name, I pray a blessing over their life that, that is going to exceed what they expect. Grow our hearts. Grow our minds. Grow our souls toward your kingdom. Lord, let us to seek first your kingdom. Let us to seek first and to focus on first your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. From routine to relationship. Routines aren't bad, so I'm just going to start by that. In fact, I'm, I consider myself to be a very routine kind of guy. Um, so this message actually has been convicting me on certain fronts. But I do want to start out by saying routines aren't bad. In fact, psychologists will tell you it's actually good for your brain to have a routine. Your brain likes routine. It's good for your mental health to wake up at the same time every day and to kind of have a routine. And it doesn't, it's not even necessarily at, let me try to say words correctly. It's not necessarily important what your routine is. Like, you don't have to do their routine. You know, you got to look at The Rock and find out what The Rock does and find out this person's routine and, and do that routine. No, like, it's not necessarily about what your routine is. But routines are actually good for you. So, they're not bad, and I don't want you to hear me saying, like, don't have a morning routine, don't wake up at the same time every day and, you know, eat your breakfast and have your Bible reading time and then go work out at the gym and then, you know, or go on your run or, or, or spend time with your kids and eat breakfast. And I'm not telling you routines are bad. Don't hear me say that. Routines are good. They create structure. And this man who we just read about, he had a routine. He had a routine. His routine was, as the paralyzed man, I will lay on my mat and people, as they pass by, will drop money 
into my cup or, or they will give me some money or, or give me some food. And the only way I'm going to survive is based off of others' generosity. And that was his routine. His routine was I lay on my mat and people pass by and they see my condition and they understand that I'm not just lazy, but I really have a good, pretty good reason. I mean, being paralyzed is, you know, that's a solid reason to not be uh, working, especially in a society where there wasn't a bunch of technology and stuff. So there really wasn't a lot of options for him. So he, he had a routine. His routine was, um, I'm going to lay on this mat, my mat. That mat meant a lot to him. It wasn't just a, and, and it says that they actually lowered him in through the roof. I don't know if you remember that from just a minute ago. They lowered him in through the roof while he was laying on his mat, which means this couldn't be some like yoga mat. I don't know what you're picturing. When I was reading it the first couple times, I was just thinking like a yoga mat. You know what I mean? One of those foam roll up things. Well, it couldn't have been like that. It had to be sturdy enough for them to actually lower him down. Four guys, I'm assuming they kind of had some type of rope pulley situation. And it's, it doesn't say they lowered the man down. It says they lowered the mat down. And the man was lying on it. So it had to be a pretty sturdy, pretty sturdy mat. Um, so his routine was kind of based on this, this mat where... You know, the only thing he's going to own is the clothes that he's probably wearing in this story and then his mat. And he's not going to have anything else. So this mat means a lot to him, okay? Um, So that was his routine. Now, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, they had a routine. So there's, there's kind of two people that Mark mentions in this text. There is, other than Jesus and probably his disciples there, um, at least some of them at this time. Other than the disciples and Jesus in the text, there are mentioned the teachers of the law who were sitting there, and then there was the, the man who, who brought his friends. So, so there's a crowd, and in the crowd, there's the teachers of the law, and the men can't get in. But the teachers of the law, they had routines. Now, they had routines. They had a lot of routines. They had layered on tradition on top and required that, you know, certain things. There were routines about the Sabbath, certain things you could and could not do on one day of the week. There were routines around food and traditions that, you know, you had to do this process and that process. They, they fasted twice a week. They say, and they talk about it a little bit later in this chapter, that, that, that because they asked the disciples, hey, you know, why don't you guys fast because we fast twice a week. So they had all these routines. Now, the danger of routines is when my routine becomes your requirement. When my routine becomes what I, 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 I require you to adopt what I do. And that's where it gets dangerous. I don't mind you having routines, but don't tell me what I've got to do because that's your routine. And you shouldn't try to copy my routine. So that's where, that's where they get dangerous. Um, 
Another time they get dangerous is when your routine replaces your relationship with God. So it's like, oh, I wake up at 6 and then I go into my secret place and I go into my secret place with God and I just pray to him and he speaks to me and I do it every day for two hours and he speaks to me. That's fine. If that's your routine, that's not bad. I like that. That's a great routine. But just know certain circumstances and certain situations can come into your life that will shake your routine and they will shake your, your secret place and you'll be thinking, well, God, I had this date with you every day and now this comes against me. How come this is happening to me and how come I'm experiencing this? Don't you know I read my Bible every day, three in the old, two in the new. I've been doing the one-year Bible reading plan. Jesus, how am I facing this? Because God's plan for you was never for you to get into a routine with him who's always to have a relationship. All the disciples, the disciples caught so much heat because they didn't stick to the routines or the traditions or the, the customs of the typical Jewish teacher, the typical rabbis, you know, because they would wear these robes and they would talk certain ways and they would fast and they would pray at certain times and there were all these traditions that they would do that the traditions aren't bad. I go to church every Sunday. That's a good tradition to have. That's a good routine to have. I pray, I pray, you know, I pray every day when I wake up and I pray every night before I go to bed. That's a good routine. But just know your routine is not what creates your relationship with Jesus. Your, your routine is not what dictates your relationship with Jesus. Verse 2 says, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So there was no room left in the house for these men to come in. But there was no room. That symbolizes the Pharisees' hearts, the teachers of the law's hearts. There was no room in their, in their spiritual walk because they had filled it up to the brim with tradition, with, with mindsets, with, with, with attitudes, with traditions, that there was no room left. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my there was no room left because of their mindsets, because of their attitudes, because of their traditions. That spells Matt. Come on, follow me. I know, I know you're still waking up, but, but their mindsets and their attitudes and their traditions, they thought to themselves, how is this man doing this? And so Jesus said, why are you thinking these things? Why is your mindset set on, on, on questioning everything I say and everything I do? So he challenged their mindsets. There was no room left. Yeah, yeah, because, because their routine had replaced their relationship with God. Um, Jesus told the, 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 um, the Pharisees in, in Mark chapter 7, because the disciples didn't wash their hands. So they were eating 
with defiled hands, which isn't a command from God, but it was a tradition. It was a routine that the religious leaders had put in place, which is not, again, wash your hands, like, do it. But the, the, the Pharisees came up to the disciples, and they say, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Why aren't they washing their hands? Why aren't they wearing their mask? Come on, Jesus. Get your, get your kids together. Get your ducks in a row, Jesus. They're not following the traditions. Why don't your, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders? Jesus said, because your mindset, your attitude, and your tradition, your mat is not my issue. Jesus came to heal your mat, your mindset, your attitude, and your traditions. Whew. If you think you're the disciples in this story, if I think I'm the disciples in this story, we're reading it wrong. We are the Pharisees who have such a routine that God has to work in that if he does anything outside of that, then it must not be God. A, a, I'm trying not to name names here. Somebody told me. Uh, 24-year-olds can't be pastors. They can't be, be pastors. They, they can't be pastors. Okay, that's your tradition. That's fine. If you believe that, like, but, but your belief doesn't limit my potential. 24-year-olds can't be pastors. <laughs> I'm glad... I'm glad Jesus didn't know that because uh, Jesus' disciples, most scholars believe, were actually teenagers, uh, either late teens, at the oldest, early 20s. And so that means after they walked with him for three years, and then, boom, here comes Pentecost, and boom, here comes the church that we read about in Acts, and boom, these church planters, these guys, they're 23, 24, at the, at the oldest, maybe even younger. So I'm just, I'm just glad you, Jesus didn't know your limitation. 24-year-old. There was no room left. Oh, so, so, so the disciples weren't washing their hands. So the, so the teachers of the law, they said, the Pharisees said, why don't, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders? And in verse 9, Jesus responds to this in Mark chapter 7. He says, you have a great, a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Wow! You have a fine way. I can see sarcasm all over Jesus' face when he says that. Good job, guys! You have a fine way. Woo! You're crushing it. You're, you're putting aside the commands of God and following your traditions. You're doing a good job, guys. Hey, you're sticking to that diet. I'm proud of you. Hey, you've been waking up every day and reading your Bible? Ha <laughs> ha, good job. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He said, I'm bringing a new system. I'm bringing a new mindset, a new attitude, a new tradition. To Romans 12, too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renew, new, new. I'm bringing a new, I'm bringing a new, a new tradition, a new tradition. Stop setting aside the commands of God. What does God say? What are the things that God says? What are the things God put inside of you? And stop 
setting aside what God said to follow the tradition of man. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. Oh, so I can nullify the word of God. I can make the word of God null, void. Now what he said would come to pass won't come to pass because of my tradition. What mat that you're lying on is keeping you paralyzed? What mindset, what attitude, what tradition it says it right here. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. It's been handed down. It's passed down. That's what traditions are. Traditions are just customs or routines that are handed down. But Jesus said, you actually, guys, your traditions are keeping you out of, your routines are nullifying your relationship with God. Oh, I have friends who believe that if you don't read a certain amount of your Bible, you can't have a real relationship with God. You can... How can you, how can you, how can you have a relationship with somebody you don't know? That's why you need to read your Bible every day for an hour. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I read my Bible. I look, read it, read it, read it. But, but, but that's not what determines your relationship with God. He knew you in your mother's womb. And there's no way that by studying a book, you're going to get to know the God who created a universe. So if your whole expectations is to come into this book and then know God, faith is, is, is mystery. And the, the, the ability of faith is your ability to embrace mystery. So Faith is confidence in things we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. So don't think just because you read your Bible and because you have a routine that, that, that you are going to know God. No, God, I've been a Christian for eight years. I went to Bible college and I still don't know God. I mean, I have a relationship with him, but I don't even, like, if you want me to just start telling you about it. It says in one gospel, in John's gospel, that, that, that if, 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 if you wanted to write down all the works that Jesus did, all the books in the world wouldn't even be able to contain it. And that's just what Jesus did in 33 years. And you want to sit down and tell me that just because you read this book, you get to know God? No, 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 no. Your power doesn't come from your knowledge of God. Your power comes from Ephesians 3, 2, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Remember that from last week? Because it is his power, his power that is at work within you. Not your tradition that is at work. 
So he said, this scares me, y'all, that you can nullify the word of God because your traditions, because your routines are keeping you paralyzed. You're mad. Paul said to the Philippian church, I mean to the Galatian church, he was writing to them and he was ticked, y'all. And he said, because normally when he writes gospels, he says, you know, greetings and all that. He didn't. He got right to this. Verse six, he said, I am astonished. Wow. It's impressive that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Paul said, I am astonished how quickly you're turning away to a different gospel. To, to, so gospel means good news. So I'm, it's incredible. You are turning away. God, God said the word of God, the gospel, the good news, the word of God. I'm astonished at how quickly you're turning from that and you're turning to this. It's amazing. You're turning, how you're turning. You're just, oh, here's what God says and I believe it and he can do it and all things are possible and I believe it and yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and I hear your word, I hear your word. Oh, da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden you turn around and, and, and I, I'm, I'm astonished at how quick you turn around. You go from believing in God and one second you believe in faith is confident. Confidence, I can do it. God's spirit, he's losing inside of me. I'm going to do it. Oh, my God, look at that bill. Whoa, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. I, I don't think I can do it. They, you know, this relationship isn't going the way I pitch. I don't think I'm going to make it. Paul said, I'm astonished. It's incredible. Wow. How quick you can turn. How quick you can go from, from the word of God, from, 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 from salvation, from grace, from his power living inside of his, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You turn from that so quick. You turn. This is not a lie, and this is not political. It's just a story, so calm down. But uh, I work out in the gym. The gym I go to, they have TVs on the wall. TVs on the wall, um, well, they play the news channels on some of them. So I was working out last week, and on one channel, there was, I mean, on one TV, there was one channel that has a certain political leaning, and um, on the TV right beside it, there was another channel that has the exact opposite political view, all right? That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying what's wrong. I'm not saying what's right. I'm not saying any of that. Don't come at me. So I'm, I was sitting there, and I don't watch the news, but I was reading the headlines just quick, quick, you know, in between sets or something, and I was, I was so amazed. I was astonished, like Paul. Because one channel was reporting one story, and the other channel was reporting the same exact story. But the headlines were the exact opposite. Same story, literally, not, not an exaggeration. Same time, both channels up on the wall. One said, this person is wrong by doing this, and the other person said, you know, this person is right. And I was like, I'm astonished. Paul's saying, you can go so quickly. You can go from, from, from the good news to, to the bad news. You can go from watching one story to, to, to the same story, but a different focus. You can look at the same story in a different way. 
You can look at a giant and say, oh, that's too big. I could never do that. Or you could look at him and say, well, you know, I did it to a bear. <laughs> I did it to a lion. So, you know, this uncircumcised Philistine, it'd probably be just, probably just be like one of them. So, so I can do it because faith is I'm astonished how quick you could go from one channel to the other. I'm, I'm astonished how you can watch one news. Ooh, gospel. Ooh, different gospel. Good news. How, I'm a, you could go from good news to bad news so quick. I'm astonished. It's amazing. Paul wrote in Romans 125, he said, uh, you exchanged the truth about God for a lie and served created things and worshiped created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You're exchanging the story of God, the truth of God, and you're exchanging it for a lie. So faith is what you focus on. So, so Paul's saying, I'm amazed at how quickly you lose focus how quickly you go from focusing on what God said from this gospel to a gospel that's not really a gospel at all, from good news to fake news, from, from gospel good news to bad news. I'm, a, I'm astonished. You go so quick, you flip. So quick, you go so quick. So... Their hearts were so full that, that Jesus couldn't even. He, he asked them, why are you thinking these things? Why, why is your focus on these things? Because what you focus on determines what you believe. If you watch one channel, and that's the only channel you watch, you're going to have the exact opposite belief as somebody who watches the other channel. And y'all are watching the same story, but you're watching it from a different angle. And so what you see determines what you believe. He asked him, why are you thinking these things? Why is your mindset, why is your attitude like this? Why is there no room in your routine for God to move. Why have you replaced a relationship with God? Some of us, us, me too, have certain areas in our life where we've replaced a relationship with God with a routine with him. I think it's interesting that Jesus said, that it says that Jesus saw their faith. Because <laughs> remember, we've been in this thing where we've been talking about confidence and how, how faith is confidence, that confidence isn't some like worldly idea, but it's from the Bible. So the Bible says that faith is confidence. So when it says that Jesus saw their faith, I'm like, you know, Jesus didn't see a religious system or a routine that they held. He didn't see that. He saw a confidence that if I can get my friend to the foot of Jesus, then he can get healed. And if I got to go through Peter's roof to do it, most scholars believe this was Peter's house because Jesus came in and healed Peter's mother-in-law. So then, you know, Jesus didn't really have to pay rent because 
When you heal somebody's mother-in-law and save them from the brink of death, they say, you know, well, if you need to crash here instead of getting an Airbnb, you can just stay here. So, so Jesus was probably at Peter's house, and, um, and he healed, healed Peter's mom. So now he's standing in Peter's house, and the boys start digging through the roof, and Peter's getting ready to cut off their ear because, you know, he does that. But Jesus says, no, no, let him do it. And they come down, and it says that Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, the friend's faith, the, the four men who brought the man to Jesus. Um, he saw their faith. Well, he, di he didn't see their belief. He saw their action. And their action proved that we have confidence, not in ourselves, that if we can get him to you, that if we can get him to you. Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see their routine. He didn't see their, their jargon. He didn't see their fast. He didn't see any of that. He didn't see that their hands were washed. He didn't see any of that. He saw their faith. And then he said, pick up your mat and leave. Take your mat out. Take your mat and carry it, and carry it. Oh, what's that? The tradition can nullify the word of God, the tradition. So now we want to talk about Philippians 1.6, being confident. Remember, faith is confidence. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. So God will carry it, so you don't have to worry about yourself carrying it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus, because it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it, but he can't carry it. The good work until you carry your mat out, the traditions that were handed down, nullified the word of God over your life. What routines in my life, Lord, do I need to replace with relationship? I'm not telling them to stop reading their Bible. I'm not telling them to stop waking up on time. I'm not telling them to stop going to church. I'm not telling them to stop praying. I'm just showing them that a relationship with you isn't contingent upon a routine that I create or a routine I found online or a routine that my pastor said I had to follow. But my, let my routine be that I just say, Lord, what do you, what do you want from me? Here I am, Lord. Let my routine be one of just putting me in the presence of you and saying, here I am and I'm all yours. God, re replace my routine, my idea, my tradition that I've used to box you in. Replace that. Rip out the old beliefs. Rip out the old mindsets. Rip out the old attitudes. Rip out the traditions and replace them with your word. God, I thank you for your children now. In Jesus' name, amen.